Let's pray together. Father, thank you that this world is not our home. Thank you that all of this brokenness is not the best that, that is to be offered. Thank you for those of us who believe this is as bad as it gets, living in this, this sinful, painful place. Lord, thank you that we can gather here as if it were our own Mount Pisgah, looking across and looking in faith to what is before us, which is our heavenly home, life with you forever, and the eternal joy and peace that will be ours. Thank you for that great gift, Lord. May we live in light of it every day. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We are, we are talking about what's next. This is the focus of the year. God is calling us to live for what's best, and we, we can never live for what is best until we're living in light of what is next. And what's next is the coming of Christ. He is going to return, and he is going to make all things new. And for those of us who believe we will be with him forever, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more brokenness. We will be whole, we will be healed, we will be together, and we will be with him forever. And that gives us hope. That enables us to live with hope. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a devotion this year by uh, Paul Tripp, and this is something he said uh, last week. It was very meaningful to me. Um, you guys have that one? There it is. Live in hope because paradise is surely coming. And stop asking this fallen world to be the paradise it will never be. This world is not our home. And we do not need to be looking to it to satisfy the longing of our eternal soul. Only God himself can do that. And so long as he is doing that in us, in light of what's next, we will always have hope. We will be able to live hopeful and be helpful. And can I please tell you, there are so many around us who need us to live hopeful and be helpful. There are many in our midst, many of the people where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you hang out, they're looking for inspiration because there are a lot of folks who right now, they're thinking about giving up. They're thinking about giving up on their marriage. They're thinking about giving up on friendships, on their calling, on their career. They're thinking about giving up on their faith. And they need someone to show them that this hope is real. They need someone to inspire, to be a blessing. When I was in middle school, uh, I played basketball. Actually, love, in middle school, I loved basketball more than football and, and was actually a, a pretty decent player. We had a pretty decent team. We had a large team and there were a lot of kids on it. Um, and there was a kid on the team, Alfonso. I never, for the life of me, I couldn't understand why he was on the team. He was small. He wasn't very good. Uh, he worked hard, but he, he was never going to make a contribution uh, on, the, on the court. And, uh, and we, we were having a really good season. And then as we broke for Christmas break, I got the mumps. My face swelled up and I was in pain. And for two weeks, I cried. It hurt so bad. It was so debilitating. I, I couldn't get out of bed. And so just as Christmas break was ending and basketball season was beginning again, I, I was somewhat better, but I could barely make a layup. I was as weak as a kitten. I had almost no strength. And, and I, I, my pride, I, I'll be honest with you, was in the way. And I, and I genuinely thought, I'm going to quit. 
because there's no way I'm going to play in front of all my friends and have them making fun of me. I'm not going to be, I've been playing basketball against all these guys for years. I'm not going to have them trash talking and me look ridiculous. I've got an excuse. I had the, I had the moms. I can just walk away. So I went into practice and who's there working his heart out, but Alfonso. This kid who's never going to see the court, this kid who gets picked on every day, this kid who shows up and plays hard. And I thought to myself, here this little guy is, given everything he's got. Here I am, 6'2", 180, feeling sorry for myself. I'm not quitting. And I played. And we had a good season. It turned out good for me. And at the end of the season, I went to him. I still don't think he believes me to this day. And I told him, you inspired me. If it weren't for you, I think I probably would have quit. Now, if you ask the coaching staff, if you ask the student body, if you ask the rest of the team, who are the most important players on the team? I guarantee you, no one would have named Alfonso but me. And I would have said, for me, he was one of the most important players on that team. Many of you sitting here today, you're an Alfonso to somebody. You think you're not making a contribution. You think your life doesn't matter. You think your decisions only impact you. You have no idea how many people are watching you. There are people all around you that need hope today. They're looking for a blessing. They need someone to be the real thing. They need to know that it's worth sticking in. It's worth staying. It's worth pressing on. And they're looking to you and they want to believe it. They need inspiration. Are you an inspiration? Understand that you are. The real question is what kind? What are you inspiring people to do? To take it easy? To go the easy way out? Or are you inspiring people to believe? To believe in what God can do and to stay the course? In our text today, we see the Apostle Paul being very honest with the church at Thessalonica and letting them know he's down. He's discouraged probably considered quitting. But now he's received word from them and he's been inspired. They have become a blessing to him that has allowed him to stay the course. If you've got your Bible and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter three. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter three and uh, Jackson Islet's gonna read for us. Jackson, come on up. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word and Jackson with that awesome bow tie is gonna read... Verses 6 through uh, 13. You ready, buddy? Yes, sir. All right, go for it. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you know, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, we that we may see you face to face and supply. What is lacking in your face now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts 
blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. The word of God. Thank you, Jackson. So well done. I think I'd like the whole Bible in that little raspy voice, wouldn't you? You know, uh, we almost always think about blessings in terms of comfort and accomplishment. And in reality, um, the greatest blessings often come in difficult times. It's in the fire that God shows up. It was in the fire when he showed up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in the book of Daniel. It's in our lives. It's when things are most difficult that we experience God most obviously. Understand that it's, it's in the darkest night that, that the light is the most brightest. And so many times we, we often think that we've, we've been disqualified because somehow our lives haven't been perfect or because our, our life isn't going exactly the way we, we thought it should. Please understand, you are never more capable of being an inspiration to someone else than when your life is not going the way you hoped it would. The reality is the people I want to hear from, the people I want to get counsel from are the people who've gone through difficulty and maintained their faith. The people I want to watch and the people I want to see are the people who are going through difficult marriages and tough families and hard job situations and are facing uh, conflict with, with relationships and friends and watching their faith shine in the midst of that darkness. Those are the people I want to get counsel from because those are the people that are living in the real world and those are the ones who have a faith that is authentic that can help me see my way through. Please understand Every single one of us in this room is an inspiration in some way. The question is, what kind? The Apostle Paul needed inspiration. And he was looking around him and he found, the, found it in this church in Thessalonica where they were being persecuted, where they weren't a perfect church, where there were things that were going wrong, where there was difficulty. And yet, they sustained their hope in Jesus Christ. And their, their capacity to believe enable them to have hope so that they were able to live hopeful and be helpful. And their, their blessing to Paul was incalculable. And, and we need to understand that our blessing to others is something that may be only measured in the halls of heaven. But nonetheless, it's so crucial. The world needs a blessing. And God has sent you and me. Now, how do we do it? That's what we see in our text today. We see through Paul's a conversation with this church at Thessalonica, how they were a blessing to him, how we can be a blessing to the rest of the world. Take note of this. First, others are blessed when we reveal faith and love. When our faith is genuine and creates an, an authentic love, it blesses other people. It inspires other people. You know, at a great emotional cost to himself, Paul had sent Timothy to check on the church at Thessalonica. If you remember, Paul was in Athens and he had sent Silvanus to Philippi and he had sent Timothy to, to Thessalonica and Paul was going to be going to Corinth, a very godless city by himself. And so it was at a huge emotional cost that Paul sent away his friends, especially Timothy. And he goes and he went into this, this dark place and, and we can only imagine what an inspiration it was to him to receive word back from Timothy that the church was standing strong. 
that the gospel was doing its work. He, he says to them that, that he was thrilled that the good news of your faith and love. He was able to say, look, I see your faith. I know of your love. He was thrilled to say to them that, that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. He knew there was a genuine affection there. Timothy told them they're, they're standing in the faith. They love you. They love Jesus. And, and what an encouragement that was for him so that he was able to say, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Please understand you're a walking, you're a walking commercial. Listen, I, I preach sermons all the time. None of them are nearly as effective as your life. You're preaching some of the best sermons anyone will ever hear. Thessalonians, they were preaching to Paul by the way they were living and it changed him. It filled him with hope. It gave him a reason to go on. This week I was reminded of a book I read years ago. It was called The Shantong Compound. It was written by Langdon Gilkey. And in it, it's the story of how Gilkey, uh, along with some 2,000 other uh, prisoners, were forced to live in World War II in a Japanese internment camp. And this was a unique situation that the Japanese had set up. They wanted to do a study in human behavior. And so what they did was they determined that they were going to give them a confined space with resources, but they were not going to govern them. The soldiers would not interact except to provide uh, supplies. That the, the, the compound itself, the, some 2,000 people, they would have to determine how their housing would be set up, how their sanitation would be dealt with, how they would deal with nutrition and, and food needs, and everything else that would be required for some 2,000 people to live together. Now, Gilkey was a secularist. And he believed in the power of humanity. He believed in himself. His faith was in his power to know and for others to know, to figure out what is right and what is best to do. And so this was a glorious opportunity in his mind. Now they were going to be able to show the world how great humanity is. And they set up these committees. They set up a housing committee and a sanitation committee and a nutrition committee. They, they outlined where people would live and how they were to function as a community. And they, they had basically what they needed, but but never what they wanted. And it was then that humanity re reared its ugly head and he lost his faith in people. Because even though they were able to provide for housing, they were able to provide for needs, what he saw come out was what always comes out. Selfishness, greed, deceit. And it was pouring out. Anytime anyone could get the upper hand, they would take it. Anytime that they could withhold goods and keep it for themselves and their own, they would. And, and he, he began to lose all faith. And then he noticed there was this one, this one guy who was different. This one person who was standing out as a, as a bright light in all this darkness. His name was Eric Little. Maybe you've heard of him. He, he is the, uh, he's the person that the, 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 the movie Chariots of Fire was based upon. He was a godly man. He was a Christian who ran in the, I believe it was the 1924 Olympics. Interesting thing about him, if you haven't seen the movie. By the way, have you, if you've seen the, the movie Chariots of Fire, raise your hand. Okay, good. Most of you have. If you haven't, before next Sunday, watch Chariots of Fire. Pay very, well, anyway, watch Chariots of Fire. There's a, there's a sequel coming out about Eric's life. And I'm praying it's going to be really good. But this Eric Little, it, it blew uh, Gilkey away because 
Eric, he loved, he loved people, especially teenagers. And he was most concerned about the teenagers because they tended to get down and then get into trouble. And so he began to orchestrate and organize all kinds of things for the kids to do. He, he made them made chess pieces and they had chess tournaments and he'd get them involved in games and he would have dances for them. Anytime he could create, you know, and, and find extra food, he would, he, would, he would create a meal for them and he would create all these things that would constantly, you know, encourage their spirits. And many times at great sacrifice to himself, Many times he would go without so that they could have something a little more that would cause their spirits to be encouraged. And Gilkey said, it blew him away because he could see that there was something that had happened outside of him that made him want to live a different way. And he saw peace and confidence and hope, and strength, and all the things that he wanted to find in humanity, but were not there. But it was in little because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And, and here's, what, here's what the world is looking for. They're looking for hope. And they will not find it in government, in business, in human relationships, or in anything else created. Eternal hope can be found in Christ alone. Now, other things can point us to Christ and other things can be good things, but they are never, they are never the things that will satisfy, satisfy our eternal souls. Only God can do that. And what little showed to the world and to this, this non-believer was the fact that, that faith and love are real because God is real. And when you believe and you live in light of him and what he's done, it, it, it's a blessing to others. Second, Understand that others are blessed when we stand fast in opposition. Paul said in no uncertain terms there in verse eight, for now we live. They breathe life into him. Can you imagine the difficulty he was facing? He was in this very sinful city. He's by himself. Uh, the, the, the leading temple was the temple to Aphrodite. So you can imagine what kind of culture that was. The Isthmian games were going on. So there were an additional 100 to 2,000 people in that city. Imagine how, how reckless people were living. Imagine how much sin. And here he is trying to start a church. The synagogue was there, but it was divided. And, and so it, it is obvious that Paul is dying. He is doubting. He is discouraged. But then he gets word. If you are standing fast in the Lord, he said, now we live. Now we have confidence. Now we have well, hope. Why? Because they were standing fast in the Lord. The church at Thessalonica was like an Alfonso to him. They weren't the biggest church. They weren't the most influential they, they weren't by any stretch of the imagination what they would consider the most important, but they were used by God to inspire and bring blessing to the apostle Paul so that he would say, I can keep going. Now we live, now we can go. And it led him to Thanksgiving. Others are blessed, write it down. When we cause Thanksgiving, verse nine, for what Thanksgiving can we return to God for you? See who the thanksgiving is to? It's to God. Why was it given? Because of them. For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Paul was thankful to God for them because what he saw in them is what the world needs to see today. And that is this, that the gospel is true. Not everybody believes the gospel is true, but everybody wants to believe it's true. Everyone wants to believe that their sin can be forgiven. 
Everyone wants to believe they can have a new life. Everyone wants to believe that this, this crummy, broken world is not all that we can hope in. That, that Christ has given us new life and it's an eternal life and it's a life that is to come as well as, as being here now. And, and the gospel makes that happen. The gospel has the power to create that inspiration and that hope. Paul said in, in uh, Romans chapter one, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Please understand, Paul was not Paul was not a person who was interested in creating simple social structures that made people feel better. He didn't believe in that. He believed in the power of God to change lives. And that gospel is what, is what inspired him to go forward and to believe. It was, it was crucial. It was, it was primary in his calling. He said so in Ephesians chapter three, verse seven. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. He was made this. It changed him. It made him something he wasn't before, which was given me by the working of his power. It wasn't something Paul came up with, something God came up with. Salvation is a gift of God. The gospel is the good news that though we deserve justice for our sin, God gives us mercy and grace and eternal life. And he heard from the Thessalonians that that gospel power had been at work in them. That the God who he believed and gave his life to was doing the very thing he promised he would do. And so now he's giving thanksgiving to God because of their faith, because of their hope, because of how they were standing, because they believed. Understand, others are blessed when we cause thanksgiving and others are blessed also, write this down, and this is an important word. It's a misunderstood word. We need to make sure we understand what this word means. Others are blessed when we engage in true fellowship. Paul didn't want a relationship in name only. He says, we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul wanted to be involved in their lives. And that's what fellowship is. Listen, fellowship is not Christian socializing. It's, it's not a social gathering of redeemed people. Let me tell you what fellowship is. It is the working out of God of his will. Fellowship is the working out of God of his will. It happens in real relationships. It happens in real interactions with people's lives. Uh, the Bible dictionary helps us in this definition. Our English word fellowship is the translation of the Greek word koinonia. This Greek word is derived from the, the root koinos, which was a prefix in ancient Greek. If you were to add this prefix to words meaning living, owning a purse, a dispute, a mother, you would get words meaning living in community together, owning a purse in common, a public dispute, and having a mother in common. So we see that the root of the word fellowship means to hold something in common. What holds us together as a fellowship of believers? It's not simply our doctrine. It's not simply our structures. It's not simply the institution or ideology. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Ideologies fail. Institutions fall apart. People, people make mistakes. Jesus Christ is what holds us together. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And it is his living presence that makes us what we are. And it is through us being together in him that fellowship exists. It's not enough that your name is on the roll, friends. 
It's not enough that you, that you can talk about Christian things, that you can maybe even point to a, a date of belief or baptism. What, what the world needs is to see a people who are gathered in the name of Jesus who love one another and who choose to love the rest of the world. So true fellowship, it's, it's several things. I'm gonna give this to you quickly because we, we're short on time, but let me just say this to you. True fellowship is sharing in the grace God has given to us. It's growing in the truth of the grace God has given to us. It's praying in the power of the grace God has given to us. It's living in the love of the grace God has given to us. What is fellowship? It's us living as Jesus with one another and giving hope to the world. You know, there are people in our city who do not believe in our God, but love our church. They talk with me from time to time and and it always thrills my heart to hear them talk about how much they appreciate the fact that Living Hope is willing to do so much for so many. And and there's some that I I will say, well, what fellowship are you? Are you a part of, nope, nope, nope. But I've heard about your church. I just want to tell you, I really appreciate it. You know what they appreciate? They appreciate the authenticity of love that we know comes only from Jesus Christ. Amen? Because here's what we know. We're not that good. Left to ourselves, oh, what a dirty mess this place would be, Right? But it is the grace of God. It is the living Christ that we hold in common. And as we honor him together, the blessing comes. So if we're not worshiping and connecting and serving and equipping and multiplying, there is no blessing. It is only in as we are living out what it means to be a fellowship, to worship the one true God, to connect with one another in faith, to to serve one another, to grow, to be equipped in the faith that we believe and to share it with others and multiply our faith. It is there that it is seen and that is there where the inspiration comes and that's where the blessing is. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're not engaged in the life of the church, then you are not being the blessing God died for you to be. It's a true fellowship. And last, and certainly not least, others are blessed when we give a benediction. If you look in verses 11 through 13, what you see here is a benediction. Paul ends this section of the letter with this glorious benediction. What is a benediction? Again, the invocation of a blessing, especially the the short blessing with which public worship is concluded, something that promotes goodness or well-being. It's the last thing that is said in in the form of maybe a prayer of some sort. Uh, Last week, I I found a a bunch of uh, Irish benedictions, and and I just love these. I I share three of them with you. You know, things like this, um, may the roof above us never fall in, and may the friends gathered below it never fall out. That's pretty good, right? I like that. Uh, And may you have warm words on a cold evening, a full moon on a dark night, and the road downhill all the way to your door. That's a good blessing right there. This is my favorite one right here. May your neighbors respect you, trouble neglect you, the angels protect you, and heaven accept you. That's going to go up in somebody's house. I'm telling you that right now. That's good right there. That is good. Seeing that, hearing that as as, as kind of the last thing, it's a blessing. Friends, be careful with your last words. The last thing you say to someone needs to be significant. It needs to be good. I love what Paul says here. He he gives them a benediction. There's three things I would want you to note that are in this benediction. First of all, there's a reconnection. It's a call for it. He said, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. What is he saying? May we see one another again. The sweetness of the faith of those of us in Jesus Christ 
is that if we are ever parted, we know we will see one another again, one way or another. There's a man in our church whose wife has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And that means he's going to lose her twice. He will lose her and then she will die. And these last words are so important. Not so much for her, but for him. And to be able to give the benediction of, I will see you again. May the Lord Jesus direct our way to one another again. What a blessing. It's not just a reconnection. There's also here affection. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. What a powerful blessing. May you love everyone and may it be real and be shown in the way you treat them. He said, I I pray the Lord brings us back together and until he does, I pray that you will abound in love and then also of a satisfaction so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Listen, nothing will satisfy the soul except Jesus Christ and being right with him. And when we are right with him, there is a deep abiding satisfaction that leads to sanctification. And it's a blessing we need to give to one another. Here's a challenge I I want you to take this week. Every day this week, give a benediction to at least one person. When you're, when you're leaving, it may be your spouse, it may be your friend, it may be an enemy. Bless them. One of the greatest blessings is the Aaronic blessing found in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 25. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance upon you and give you peace. Parents, What if that was the last thing your child heard you say? Parents, what if that's the last thing that that you heard from your child? Friends, sooner or later, our last goodbye is going to be our last goodbye. And it's so important that we make our words matter. And that we make them last. And that we bring a benediction. And that we bring a blessing to one another. That we speak of wanting to see one another. Of being affectionate for one another. And being satisfied in Christ alone. And here's what I know. Without Jesus Christ, you cannot give that kind of benediction. If you are still living in your sin, you have no lasting hope. And and you need to today. You need to receive Christ. Some of you are brothers and sisters in Christ Let me ask you, what kind of inspiration are you? I I know you sit and you think, I'm nobody. No one's watching me. Yes, you're an Alfonso. Someone's watching you. And it's when you least expect it that you could be one of the greatest inspirations to their lives. Are you living by faith in such a way that you can be a blessing? Now, some of you need a blessing. You need inspiration today. Some of you are thinking about giving up in your marriage Some of you are thinking about giving up on a calling, on a friendship. Don't. 
Stay the course by grace through faith in Christ alone and ask him to give you strength. And if you will, and if you do, here's what you will find. God will be in it with you and your choice will have a ripple effect and be a blessing to others. So what I would say to you is this, don't just do it for you, do it for me. Do it for us. Because we need to believe and we need your help and we, we need that blessing and so do you. You need to be that blessing. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, I know there are some today who need to come and just kneel before you and, and ask you to forgive them of their sin and to give them a new life in you. There's some today who need to believe that their life matters to, to many others and that, that what they're doing is important. So God, I pray today as they come to say, Lord, I, I've, not, I've not been faithful. Make me faithful. Forgive me for the sake of others, for the sake of your great name. Then God, I know there's many that need your blessing today in some significant way to stay the course. And so as they ask for strength, I pray that you'll give it. And as we sing the song of confession, of, of a statement, I pray it's a, it's a reality for all of us that we can say to you, God, here's my life. Mold it and make it and use it to be a blessing. You've given us the opportunity, Lord. May we take it. In Jesus' name, amen.